Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 127. I'm Schmitty. I'm Stark. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. We come to you uh, at the tail end of a really, really boring week. But you probably knew that, because it was probably boring for you, too. <laughs> it wasn't boring for Salt Lake Comic Con news, though. Holy cow, no, have you guys wow. seen how many more people they've added? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And they still have another, I want to say, 30 more to announce that they have not yet officially announced. And they said um, there will be some zingers. Now, yep. we want to... Raspberry zingers, please? I love Raspberry Zinger. Now, we want to stress this. This is the last week. Salt Lake Comic Con starts next Thursday, one week from today. Uh, doors open 3 p.m. at the Salt Lake Salt Palace, uh, located at 100 Southwest Temple, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. You want to pre-register, and here's the reason why. Tickets will be available at the door. However, they can't promise how many will be available, and you will miss out on all pre-registration extras. So, like, Please. the grab bags, the VIP passes, VIPs don't have to wait in line, VIPs can get in an hour before the con starts, which means that you don't have to worry about lines to your favorite celebrities. And, and honestly, they don't even know which days are going to have tickets available at the door. So you want to pre-register and you want to do it as fast as possible. Now, have you heard how many tickets they've sold so far? Yeah, it's going to be a massive event. Um, now, some questions that have been brought up that we're going to cover here real fast, okay? What if you have kids? Well, kids under the age of 11 get in free. In fact, if you buy an adult pass, it comes with two free passes for young'uns. That's perfect for me. I have four kids under the age of 11. So all of them can get in with me and my wife. So that's yeah, a, they've, that's a great thing right there. They've sold 20,000 tickets so far. Yeah. You can bring in your own books and posters for celebrities to sign. Um, parking is available. It's there. Um, it's re really affordable. Also, public transit goes right there. If it sounds like we're making a big I issue of it, it's because it's a big issue. This has gotten national attention. This is, I want to say, more successful than any other startup Comic-Con in the U.S. It's second only to San Diego Comic-Con right now. And that's big. <laughs> that's that's huge. So our hats off to Dan Farr. Uh, we had him on uh, our show a few weeks ago, and and uh, Dan Farr Productions. This is just it's blown up bigger than I think anyone really expected or or could anticipate. And we're really excited to be a part of it. So again, Salt Lake Comic Con starting September fifth, sixth, and seventh. Uh, Thursday's a half day. Friday's a half day. Saturday all day. Saturday's the day you want to go for. Just just saying, if you have to choose one day, it's Saturday. And, uh, and of course, we'll be there the whole time, broadcasting live to be, well, no, we'll be recording live to be broadcasted later <laughs> at Booth yeah. J12. We're always recording live. We're all alive. <laughs> well, it depends. Uh, there was that one week we were all sick. Uh, not to make them feel slighted, we do have friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com. They're all pretty awesome, too. However, you can't go visit them in person. So, we were hoping to see them that are at the Salt Lake Comic Con, but yeah, I that, guess that, not. <laughs> that kind of fell through, and it's through no one's fault. Um, it's just, yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't happen, but we hope to see them again here soon. Um, but yeah, come on down. Into our headlines. Oh, no, not into our headlines. I apologize. Theodore, I feel so Nine. bad. Theodore on Facebook wrote us, and I thought we'd have actual feedback, but no, he's just asking for stuff. <laughs> 
Theodore, I'm kidding. <laughs> he asks actually a really good question. He goes, Stolen Droids, what text games would you recommend for me to play? I have Zork 1 and 2 and some other Infocom games on my iPad that I love to play. Well, Theodore, that's actually a really interesting question for a couple of reasons. One, because text-based games are kind of a niche category. Most people don't play them. I know I never have. Um, and two, because typically speaking, if you have something like an iPad, you usually play an actual graphics-based game. So the There's a thing called Angry Birds. So, well, yeah, but so the idea of playing text-based is really kind of novel, and he brings up that he likes to read, but he also likes to game, so this kind of kills two birds with one stone. Well, I can understand what he's trying to say, because when I had a PDA um, a couple a couple years ago, I actually played a... It, it's 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 not a text-based game, but it used the An- the Ansky characters. It was Rogue, if you recall that game, where it, it made a map for you, and you were the little at symbol, and you went around killing monsters that were different letters of the alphabet. I do remember that. However, I think he's really wanting games he can read. And I don't think you can read backslash, 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 backslash as it goes flying across the screen. Um, True. <laughs> now, Schmitty had one that he used to play. And he's kind of our, our resident expert, as it were, as much as any of us are on text-based games. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I, back in the BBS days, um, as we know, BBSs were full. They were chock full of text-based games. Um the favorite one of mine that I played all the time, I, I, I joined as many bulletin boards as I could to play Legend of the Red Dragon. Um, now, to, to find the actual game of Legend of the Red Dragon is really rare today, unless you actually find someone that's still hosting a BBS. Uh, there are a few sites that actually have the source code of it, so you could install it on your own computer and try to run it from there. Um, but then there was a site... Uh, that actually put up a version called Legend of the Green Dragon. Um, it's almost identical to Legend of the Red Dragon. I believe they had to completely reverse engineer it, um, but it plays through your web browser. Not sure how well it will work on an iPad, but you can give it a try. Um, and uh, they kind of go through... Uh, they, they re... Um, they restart the instance over every three months or so, so there's not, there's always a continuing hero. There's always, there's always chances to get to the to the top list, and uh, it's it's pretty fun. It's addicting, and uh, so I, that's that's my contribution. <laughs> now, see, rather than text-based games, I'd say something like a browser-based game, like Not Prawn. That, that's an awesome game. And the only reason why I don't suggest that to you, Theo, is because unfortunately some of the puzzles. And it is. It's a mind-bending puzzle game based in the browser, and it's insane. However, the iOS browser simply is not capable of playing it. There are certain puzzles that you can only beat by looking at source code, which, of course, the Safari browser won't let you do, or by opening up multiple ones, or by listening to certain files that you have to be listening to while having to... Some of them require sound editors or image editors. Yeah, um, so as awesome as that would be, in a tablet form. Unfortunately, most tablets nowadays can't play it. Instead, a game just, it's a text-based game that is just for iOS, and it's rather new here, actually. It's called Black Bar, and it parodies the NSA censorship, where you play the NSA, and you have to either block information or allow information through based upon information and letters coming into you. So there's That's a, pretty genius. <laughs> it's a new one. It's only on iOS. Um, 
I, I think that's worth a uh, check. We'll have the uh, link in the show notes. We'll also reply to uh, to your uh, Facebook post as well. If you have questions for us or feedback or anything else, let us know. Feedback at SolenDroids.com or send them to us on Facebook. We're always willing to help and answer where we can. Um, four guys who have half a clue will always talk. Yeah, and you know, you did mention you like to read. There's always Batman. There's always Daredevil. Batman, yeah. the ultimate text-based game. Yeah, that you, know, you will always lose. And, and, and you can you can re- you can read that on your on your iOS device with no problem. So it's Pick not up a, a comic. game, but but Comicsology is is really good on the iPad, and you can store it for offline use too. So maybe while you're home, sync up all your comics and then read them offline and not take up your data while you're traveling or while you're commuting or or whatnot. So good point. Four guys with half a clue. Stark, you're suggesting that as a show title. I'm thinking we should make that into like shot glasses or something. That should be like the name of a bar. <laughs> that or a t-shirt. <laughs> it's it's not just to clarify. It's not four guys where each of us have half a clue. No, We're that would be sharing. two clues. We're all. <laughs> it's collectively a half a clue. <laughs> we are sharing half a clue. <laughs> all right. Well, now into our headlines. Hey, you know, um, speaking of, and this isn't actually in our um. Well, maybe it is. I don't think it's actually in our show notes. But speaking of four guys with half a clue, about a year and a half ago, we had this amazing half clue that maybe BlackBerry should look at expanding its services onto other platforms. BlackBerry at the time, of course, had not yet launched BlackBerry OS X. They were just in a horrible tailspin of failure. We were saying, hey, maybe they should look at selling some assets. Maybe they should look at diversifying where their products go. And they just simply wouldn't. Well, here we are, and just today, actually, they have finally announced that, yes, BlackBerry Messenger is coming to iOS and Android. And, in fact, put it up on their site. And then took it down because it wasn't yet available. And then they might put it back up on their site. In any case, this is not how you do a launch. This is kind of a failure. But I'm kind of wondering, and Zonar and I had this conversation today... How is it that four guys with half a clue who do a part-time podcast in Utah had a better idea and, t- and sense of when to do things than a company that I am assuming has people in it whose sole job is to keep the company going? We are available for hire. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to work for BlackBerry. What, they'll pay me <laughs> in stock options? Yay. We'll give you some of those little... Uh tablets they had you know it, it's nice to see though that um, they're timely they're on top of the ball and I, I feel really bad that they've apparently stopped listening to our show up there in, in Canada I know they used to listen to us but maybe, I guess not maybe we were just too much responsible for their downfall I think they, I think they just got uh, a good. Oh, hey, OS 10 came out. Look how awesome it is. People aren't, you know, just totally hating it. So I guess that means success. We don't need to listen to market analysts anymore. Oh wait, no. Just because people aren't hating our OS doesn't mean they're buying it either. I guess we do need to listen. I think we're dead. <laughs> but I, but listeners, listeners out in podcast land, I have learned my lesson. I will not predict the downfall of BlackBerry, because they will not, they'll not fall just to spite me. They're like cockroaches, you can't kill them. Mm. They'll survive a nuclear apocalypse. That is Android. 
Okay, um, into some security news, and really odd security news. Germany announced, and when I say Germany, I mean like the German federal government, announced that Windows 8 will not be welcome on any of their computers because it's too unsecure. Interestingly, the specific feature they say is unsecure is a security feature. Now, um, if you've not... That's that's the root hack thing, isn't it? The no, no. Hack? Well, the anti-root hack, yes. Um, new hardware has come out in recent years called the TPM, or Trusted Platform Module. It's an actual piece of hardware that exists in many computers nowadays and actively protects your computer against being, well, for lack of a better word, rooted. You know, it's not actually the technical term, but if it was a mobile phone or a tablet, that's that's what you'd be looking at. Well, if you were to gain such root access to a computer, you could do whatever you want to it, and nothing that the computer had installed to prevent you would be able to stop it. The TPM blocks that. In Windows 8, by OS uh, instructions, the TPM cannot be disabled, which is a security feature. Now, isn't it done by a master password in the TPM, though? Well, yeah, but it's it's done at the BIOS level. It's not yeah, a master password the, I, that anyone has on the list. I think that's what they were concerned about, is that they were worried that the master password was going to get out, and then that's where, that's where in their minds, the security bug was at. But that's that's the way they're looking at it. But then again, Microsoft says, it's supposed to work this way so that you have a master password to protect you from everything. Right. So Germany is upset because this this incredible security feature can't be turned off to make it unsecure. Therefore, they say it's unsecure. <laughs> or, in other words, your new operating system is so secure, we think it's unsecure, and so we don't want to use it. We want to use Linux so we can turn off the security feature to make it more secure. To know recursion, you must first know recursion. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it could just be me, but when I think of um, Linux and security, I mean, obviously there is security there. However, isn't a lot of the security with Linux, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a Linux guy. If some Linux guy wants to write in and yell at us, it, uh, feedback at StolenDroids.com um, or Zook at StolenDroids.com. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, isn't a lot of their security just based solely on the fact that hackers use Linux so they don't hack Linux? Um, that's not entirely true. Yeah. Linux is not necessarily inherently secure on its own. Linux's security is based on the fact that you can make Linux do whatever you want. So okay. you can tell Linux to handle certain attacks a certain way. Mm-hmm. On one hand, that means that you can build the most robust security system you want out of Linux, and you can make it sing and dance and do whatever you want. And that's a <laughs> flexibility that any other OS does not currently have. It does, it's, however, mean that your security is only as good as the Linux guy wrote it for you. Yeah, it, it, it's secure in the sense that the person who set it up knows how to run it and knows which... It know it knows the person who set it up is going to know the difference between um, a real interaction with the outside world and an actual hack, and is therefore not going to either run it or I mean it's it's basically secure because the people who use Unix uh, or Linux are at that level of 
understanding, if you know what I mean. And of course, as we all know, nothing's 100%. Well, no, uh, nothing true. is no. 100%. And it should be noted that the most top-level uh, Linux hackers are also the top-level Linux developers. Right. <laughs> Just saying, there's a reason why all those Russian Linux experts all work for antivirus companies. It's because it's also where all the viruses come from. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this is kind of a dumb announcement to make and it seems almost just for posturing because here's the thing i love windows 8 schmitty he loves windows 8 zoner loves windows 8 stark is stark but yes <laughs> that being said no one runs their back-end system on windows 8 if you're a federal government and you're considering running windows 8 on your back-end system you've got bigger problems than windows 8 the yeah. U.S. has been running Linux on their back-end servers for many, many years for all the reasons we've just said. It scales up much better than any other OS does. You can make it do whatever you want. You can have it so customized that no one else can even access the system. Who? No one cares. Good job, Germany. You've just announced what every other first-world country already knows. <laughs> that you don't need a consumer level brand new OS for your back end servers. Congratulations. I personally think that this headline is just more Microsoft bashing on their part, but it did give me a bit of an epiphany. And I know we're spending a lot of time on this. If you guys remember, I want to say a year and a quarter ago, a year and a few months, 14 months ago, we asked the question in a talking point, what is up with Europe hating on American security companies? Or not security, just software companies. You guys remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And being that we're all four podunk Americans and we couldn't really figure it out, we, we came away from it with no real answer. But I think I figured it out. I think Europeans are so paranoid against Big Brother that even if Big Brother is trying to give them something that they actually want, they will turn it down and fight against it. Actually, I think you're uh, I think you're on the right track with that because they have very strict privacy laws in Europe. And if you guys recall the company that we all used to work for, they had to have a European division just to handle the calls that were coming in because of some of those privacy laws. Yeah, they were much more strict. Uh, the Google da um, street cams have run into all sorts of problems because even though they love the idea of updated maps. Well, except for the French, um, they hate having their pictures taken and everything documented. They hate it. They'll fight against it. Even if it's a product they want and they like, they will fight against it. They are so, so against Big Brother and the, the thought and the idea of Big Brother that it's almost a knee-jerk reaction. That's my take on it, and I may be overstepping there, but that's just kind of what I'm pulling from this article. Speaking of Street View, speaking of European companies, Nokia has actually come out with their own answer to Google Street View cars. They are bringing out their own Street View fleet. And unlike Google's, it's 3D-based. So how, so how soon until they get sued by the French? Well, <laughs> they're probably starting uh, here in the U.S. And it's actually rather new. I looked at my house using this system, and it was taken last summer. And I gotta say, it's higher quality actually than Google's. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading the specs on it. They're using, uh, I, I think Google's cameras are are simply just that, just digital cameras. Um, Nokia is using um, a, a lidar system, 
um, with uh, with 3D cameras, and uh, they're able to not only produce better pictures but also be able to map uh, all the roads they drive down in 3D, producing a better 3D map for overhead view or whatever. So it's so pretty interesting. Do you have to wear special glasses to see the pictures? <laughs> <laughs> no, interestingly I'm enough, though, I I did read another site article about someone saying that this would be implemented into alternate reality devices so that you could you could virtually drive down any street using their images so it's it could be interesting <laughs> second life is about to get a whole lot more accurate oh man now, when we say that it's a much better picture we don't just mean by a little bit um i don't know what the number is on google maps but the Nokia system is a 68 megapixel image. So it's a large step up. Okay, just for comparison purposes, what type of megapixel would be the human eye? Um, that's not Infinite. really a fair. Yeah, it's not really a fair um, assessment because it's a totally different way of measuring images. Okay, all right. An, I, I heard an somebody ask that question one day, and I'm like, oh, an eight by ten image, uh, an eight by ten image at about uh, two yards distance, at sixteen megapixels, is indiscernible from from real imaging, real real life. That's what I've been heard quoted, so that's what I'll use. <laughs> and yeah. and using that, it's it's not real easy to determine. Uh, how many megapixels is what? Because it depends on how far away things are, and it depends on focusing, on distance, on what the subject is, on the level of light, um, and the human human eye is measured in arc minutes as well. So, which is an area of math I never got to. One conservative estimate I see here is like five hundred and seventy six megapixels. Wow. Wow. But th- I don't know if that's because you can sit there and see an entire mountain at once and still see detail on it, or because you can read a piece of uh, a page of text right in front of your face. So our eye is just a lot more adaptable. So it's, it's a bad <laughs> comparison. But just the same, Nokia is far outshining Google in this instant. Now, maybe Google can come back and have a whole bunch of, you know, human eyes mounted onto their Street View cars, and that'll be just awesome. Can I donate my eye to Google? Well, I'm saying Halloween (laughs) is coming up. I thought you were getting away from Google. Now you're offering them your eye? (laughs) Yeah, it was a joke. (laughs) They've already got his heart. Oh. 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 So last week we uh, talked about Lobo. We lamented Lobo. Lobo, of course, is the international, international, intergalactic bounty hunter from DC. International's intergalactic. Same, same. He's international as well. He travels between, you know, the European countries all the time. But uh, he looks like Edward from Twilight with larger thighs. Sparkly. Because <laughs> that's the first thing Zook notices. <laughs> well, it, it's a poor design. because uh, and, and if you didn't look at it last week in the show notes, you should definitely look at it this week. Because the design they have for him literally looks like Edward, sleeveless, sparkly, with blue hair. And the weapons he has strapped to his hips makes him look like he has birthing hips. Like he has wide childbearing hips. Wow. I, I never would have thought that. but It, it makes the design that much worse. Well, 
clarification has come out because everyone on the web, as they are wont to do, uh, cried out all at once and then were immediately silenced that, no, that's not Lobo. We know who Lobo is. Lobo is this huge, badass bounty hunter, smokes cigars, refers to himself as the main man. DC has clarified that this is the real Lobo. That other guy is just a phony. He stole this other Lobo's identity. So Edward, Edward, um, whatever. Edward Lobo Hands. Edward Lobo Hands is the real Lobo. And this other guy is like Larry the Cable Guy version of Lobo. The Simpsons did it. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> well, we can we can probably thank Dan DiDio for this because every bad decision for the last few years that have come has come out of DC Comics. I put solely on his shoulders. I mean, the guy's a complete idiot. George Perez left his work on. I think he was doing uh, Superman at the time because Action Comics. He, he could not correspond. They would not tell him what's going on. He was not allowed to know what Action Comics was doing. But what Action Comics was doing was very important to what he was doing. I mean, it's just another example of, of DC Comics getting it wrong once again. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's, who's a comic guy and he said he actually hopes DC Comics will just fail and go out of business because they're they're screwing things up that bad. They're pissing their fans off that badly that their fans just want to see them die so that somebody will come in, buy up the properties, and treat it right. And that really is the best thing that ever happened to Marvel, is getting bought by Disney. And that's probably the worst thing that ever happened to DC was partnering with Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers actually doesn't really care about well, DC. They were part of uh, AOL Time Warner at the time, weren't they? Um, I don't know if that had already dissolved by the time they took over. You might be right, but the point is that Warner Brothers doesn't actually care. They really don't. Disney wants all of its properties to succeed, and they'll do whatever it takes, even if it means pissing a few people off or firing some people, to make sure the properties work. Warner Brothers just want to make money, and if you can't make money off of it, throw it in the vault and forget about it. Chalk it up to a bad investment. Yeah, they really suck. And and DC's got to turn it around. This is this can't keep going on. It just makes me cry every every Wednesday when new comics come out. I, I know we're kind of treading on uh, on scam show material here, but do, is it, do you think it's safe to say that the new Fifty Two has been just universally hated? Do you think it's just been an absolute failure, or have there been anything good from it? There have been some bright spots. Um, Batgirl. Uh, for a while was a really good bright spot. Right now, Batman is one of the best comics out there, I think. Um, yeah, so there are some bright spots. I know, uh, the Swamp, Swamp Thing title at the beginning, uh, there were some characters who somewhat got new life breathed into them. Um, Batman by Catwoman. I'm but, still mad uh, they canceled my Firestorm. Yeah, yes, I we mean, know. Every, every episode, we know. <laughs> I mentioned this yet? But I, I think for the most part, you know, it's, it's, was designed as a marketing ploy and they got what they wanted out of it. They got a, a year of good sales and now it's back to crap. You know, the, the, I think the thing that really showed that they had no clue what they were doing is 
when they came out at the beginning and said, we're doing this to alleviate the confusion. We have multiple Earths. We have this. We have this. It's too confusing. Six months later, we get Earth 2 titles. They they didn't know where they were going with this. They're just making it up as they go. I think they but planned they the first two simplify. or three months. No, no. In their defense, it did simplify things a lot. Now you knew that if it was DC, it sucked. That's that's pretty simple. I mean, yeah, you don't get much more unified than that. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, don't get Ultimate Spider-Man, because that one's kind of weird. You can get Amazing Spider-Man. That one's pretty good. Spider-Man, however, is kind of... Um, now you just know it just sucks. And, of course, I know Spider-Man's Marvel, and this is DC we're talking about. But uh, this way, there's no more extra titles. There's no more extra timelines or extra Earths. It all just sucks. Yay. Well, Batman Incorporated is coming out with an annual issue here soon, I think, and um, it features is it like Bat- an earnings report. Yeah, well, it, it features <laughs> it features Batcow, so that kind of tells you, you know, what we're looking at. I, I feel like was that like one of the secret levels on Diablo? Batcow, like C O W? Did I hear that right? Yeah, you heard that right. The is cow's like got the-, the cow's got a cape. Is that the one that's like assigned to Poland or something? I don't know, <laughs> but it's uh, my first thought when I saw that is is this 1960? I mean, it just they suck. They need to they need to fix things badly. And this Lobo thing, it just just further evidence. Instead, what we're gonna see is like the new 52 version of Crypto. He's gonna be wearing a uh, bikini and he just flings himself around for an entire episode. Humps legs at will. Uh, Poor Will. (laughs) Before I have an aneurysm, we should probably move on to the next story. Definitely. Uh, We're a half hour in and we're only three headlines in. Um, Peter Jackson has agreed to direct an upcoming episode of of Doctor Who, which is pretty awesome. Um, I expect uh, the Doctor and his companions to land in Middle Earth and immediately be uh, killed. I mean that's that's what would happen, right? Or that, or he'd take the uh, hobbits to second breakfast anytime they want. <laughs> that's good. Come inside the TARDIS. Every moment is second breakfast. It'll um, make getting to Isengard quick, though. Uh, this is true. Let's fly along. Anyway, uh, enough jokes of, of the fan fiction that never was aside. Uh, Peter Jackson did request an interesting thing here. He said that if he's going to do it, he only wanted two things. One is complete artistic control over the episode, which it's Peter Jackson, so the episode will actually be broken into three parts and it'll take five years to produce. Um, <laughs> and that he gets himself a Dalek. Dalek. He wants a Dalek. A Dalek. Dalek, Dalek, Dalek. Just spoon a Dalek of Daisy. And moving on. <laughs> I guess if you're kind of... Is he, like, reaching, like, Howard Hughes' level of eccentricity? Well, I mean, the guy's got enough money. Why not get a get a Dalek? I'd go for that. It's like, yeah, I, I could have you pay me a million dollars or whatever, but I've got lots of millions of dollars, so give me a Dalek instead. That would be cool. At least he didn't ask for the TARDIS or something. I'd well, yeah, but what happens when his Dalek escapes and starts exterminating people? Then he's going to have lawsuits on his hands. Well, I'd be more concerned if if he was able to travel through space and time. Because, you know, smash a mosquito, you don't know what's going to happen. Butterfly effect us, man. <laughs> mosquito effect. 
I just imagine like a Dalek opening up and there's a hobbit inside. <laughs> How awesome would that be? <laughs> little hairy feet pushing it along the bottom like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so awesome. I would love to see that. I really shouldn't take muscle relaxers before recording. <laughs> Into some confusing meta news, Adblock, the popular plugin for your browser, has bought ad spaces for Adblock. Sunny, I didn't. Funny, I didn't see them. Yeah, Adblock must be doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. This is kind of like an antivirus company making viruses to prove how much you need an antivirus company. Yes, um, I, I think it's I think it's interesting. It's either absolutely brilliant because it's going to show people that see ads. Hey, I can get rid of these ads. On the other hand, it could be a complete waste of money because everybody I know tries to block as many ads as possible, mm-hmm. so they would never see the ad in the first place. So. Yeah, it's. I thought it was an interesting, um, interesting move on their part. Kind of ballsy. Good for them, I guess. Hopefully, it's successful. Because I it like AdBlock, and I I want them to keep producing their product. It, ju- it just seems weird. It seems borderline immoral. I can't put my finger on it. Maybe I'm just being oversensitive. I'm probably being oversensitive. It just seems really weird. Is that like but- distributing heroin at a rehab center? Kind of. Yeah. If if you pay. The premium rate at the rehab center will slip in a little, you know, eight ball on the side there. <laughs> or if you pay us the extra money, we'll block the ads that we made specifically to target you for not paying the extra money. There you go. <laughs> it's protection money. That's what it is. This is a protection racket. Okay. As long um, as I can keep my knees and thumbs intact, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, thankfully there's not an extension to mess with those. I think. I think. I hope not. I mean, hope there is. <laughs> um, hey, mobile apps. You know how a lot of, uh, like, iOS likes to say how many apps they have in their app store, and Android likes to talk about how many apps are in the play market, and haha, poor Windows phone doesn't have nearly as many apps. Well, it turns out all those numbers might be moot anyway, because mo- most mobile apps are dead. Now, dead in this definition does not mean that they don't work anymore. It means that their developers are no longer working on them and haven't been, usually since they first launched. I happen to know, firsthand, of a great developer who has three such examples of this. It's me. (laughs) I keep emailing him, asking for updates, and he never replies. Because I think I have three different stolen droids apps out there. And none of them work, and none of them have done anything. I put them out there once, and I never looked at them again. You even have a BlackBerry app. I have two BlackBerry apps. (laughs) One of them I made with their help. It also doesn't work. Uh, Yeah, we never got our phones for that app. Yeah. I I think part uh, part of the blame on this goes to um, HTML5. And not that that blame is a bad thing, because HTML5 is a good thing. Um, more and more developers are noticing that they can build an HTML5 app, and it will work on all phones and on desktops. So I, I, I think the advent of the 
web or where the web is going is kind of killing apps, so to speak. So the web is turning around and reviving itself, killing what was going to kill it? Uh, well, I think so. Yeah. I think that might be partially it. I think it might also... I mean, it's kind of like to say, after a few years, all GeoCity sites were dead. You know? Yeah. It's like there was that yeah. rush when everyone got in there and said, whoa, we can all make our own website, and we can all make it awesome, and hey, that's really cool. And two years later, oh yeah, I don't go there anymore. I don't even remember <laughs> I had a site. Well, if you think about it, when when mobile phones started coming out, the web was still not at the point, or the web was still not at the point that you could really view it on a mobile device. Websites were still made for 1024 by 768 screens, um, and and on the other side, the mobile devices weren't good enough to even load that, um, let alone you know text-based website. And so the need for apps was was there. Now. The need for apps is not there. It's just as easy to build an HTML5 app as it is to go make an Android app. So you might as well make the one that is compatible on all devices. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes total sense, yeah. I I think there's a lot of factors there, but I think it's kind of interesting. When everyone says, well, the App Store has over a million apps, you can always respond back to them, yeah, and most of them are crap, and even more of them are dead. (laughs) Exactly. So, yay you. Um, okay, uh, an interesting little piece of news came up this week. The Smithsonian has a separate uh, museum uh, called the Cooper Hewitt, which is accepting different things into its collection that you may not expect. This Can we send week, This week, it accepted source code from an iOS app called Planetary. Now, I used to have this app. This app is literally nothing more than a music visualizer set to planets. Each artist is its own star system. Each album is its own solar system. Every planet is its own song or moon or whatever. And you can browse through your music like you're flying through space. Really novel in that approach, but quite pointless. Quite pointless. The developer is now defunct. Well, evidently, for whatever reason, this museum has decided to induct its source code into the museum to be kept forever. And by keeping it forever, I mean they even print out the code on scannable Scantron sheets. So should the digital copy ever get corrupted, they can scan it back into a computer to be recompiled. And this raises the question, this is not a talking point, but it raises the question, is code art? And by code, I don't mean like... Hello World, the very first Hello World code, or the code that inadvertently in the future time gives AI its sentience, okay? I'm talking about... (laughs) I mean, this is nothing more than really a Winamp plug-in. Right. Is this art? Is this worth remembering? uh, Speaking as a developer, I I don't consider what I do an art, but um, there are some developers out there who who make their profession an art. And and when I say making an art, I don't I don't mean like you can you can frame it and put it on a wall, which is what they're doing. I mean that their code is is good enough that anyone can look at it and understand it. Um, that being said, there is a way to take your code and format it in such a way to make a text art or an ASCII art. Um, and some people have done that to their code. Um but then again, could that really be considered art if it's just uh, a whole bunch of letters 
rearranged to look like something. If it makes a picture, sure. Yeah, I, <laughs> Minecraft is art, right? <laughs> well, and yeah, I just see redhead, blonde, brunette. <laughs> Thanks, Cipher. <laughs> Bastard. Um, there, there is another argument for it, too, and this is something that was written over a year ago. I've been meaning to write about it, but I never have. It's an article on technologi- Technologizer. If you're going to have an online magazine, make its name easier to remember. Technologizer. (laughs) Anyway, it brings up why history needs software piracy, and it's for a totally different reason. It's talking about actual human history in its pages. For instance, if you look at Photoshop or if you look at many things, like even Microsoft Word, and you hit the save icon, what is the save button? What's the icon on the save button? It's an old disk. disk. It's a floppy disk. It's something that no kid who is using, who's been born in this century, will recognize. And yet, it's the icon for saving. Okay, so that's perhaps some code that's worth keeping because I'll bet you we continue to use that icon for a lot longer. And at some point, someone's going to wonder when in human history did that weird symbol become synonymous with recording, with saving. Recording is another one where, like, even uh, on your iPhone or whatnot, you look at the record button on a lot of things, and it's the reel-to-reel symbol. Or voicemail, reel-to-reel. Has anyone used a reel-to-reel system to catch their voicemail lately? No. Most people I don't know. I did just Or even, even the hang-up icon is a picture of a, an outdated handset pointed upside down, meaning hang up. We don't. We no longer turn our phones upside down to hang up. So it's... That's There's an app for that. <laughs> there is, actually. You know, my son asked me the other day if I had ever used a rotary telephone. He called it like a spinning phone or something. But he asked if I had ever used a rotary phone. And when I told him <laughs> that I had, he thought that was just so amazing. <laughs> because and all this... Dad, you're old. Uphill both ways in the winter. <laughs> yeah, all this kid has ever used is a cell phone. He's nine. Yeah. He doesn't know any different. So, I, I don't know. I get the feeling. I, I, my personal opinion is that, yes, there is reason why certain code and certain programs should be inducted into a museum. Because for whatever reason, they epitomize perfect code and or they helped or they were the first introduction of a certain concept to human culture. A Winamp visualizer on your iPad ain't it. I completely no. agree. Then again, I'm not the one maintaining a museum. Well, what is it, Beauties in the Eye of the Beholder or something like that? Well, no Beholder's going to that museum to see it. Some I'll people need glasses. <laughs> Any museum that wants to buy my code, I'll sell it. <laughs> hey, I have three mobile apps I'll sell to a museum. <laughs> okay, um... Hey, Maybe they'll give you a playbook. <laughs> Nintendo has decided to completely just give the middle finger to everyone this week. They have announced their new 2DS. That is not a typo. It is a 2D video game entertainment system. Yes, Nintendo has advanced their technology so far, they're now able to put a 2D video game into your hands. Um, they're going backwards, I think. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a 3DS that has been put into a plastic case that you would hand to a toddler... It's and stuck then in the run open over position. Yeah, stuck in the run over by a truck, so it's stuck in the open position, and then made to look like one of those old um, paddle boards that you used to play with in the pool. Where did those ex- excess uh, BlackBerry presidents go? <laughs> <laughs> 
Who knows? I I don't know what they're thinking. This is the most hideous looking game console ever. Kotaku puts it best. Um, they'll be launching a new portable game system in October. It's called the Nintendo 2DS. It's a 3DS without the 3D, and it's shaped like a thin piece of cake. Mmm, <laughs> cake. I don't the even cake know. is a lie. I don't even it, know how my hands would fit on that thing. It does take the 3D photos still. I mean, it, for all the hardware that's on there is the same as the 3DS, except for the screen and, and the hinges <laughs> to close it. So it still takes 3D photos. You just can't view those 3D photos. Kind of pointless. Yeah, congratulations. Um... It is cheap, though. Oh, yeah, it's $129, and for that you could buy you could buy an Asus Mimo 7, which is a tablet like a Nexus 7 for $30 cheaper with more capability, more games, more future compatibility, um, or, you know, a rock. A I don't even big know how, rock. I don't even know how I would hold this. Or just, just spend $30 more and get the 3DS... Yeah, no joke. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to be facetious here either. If you look at the pictures and they're up on Kotaku right now, there is no way the human thumb can move easily from the from the analog stick on the left down to the D-pad. Cuz to hold it, to hold something that large and have your thumb on the analog stick, that means your thumb pad is on the D-pad. Well, they were saying the person that reviewed it did say that the uh it was light enough that your fingers behind it would support it enough to give your thumb uh, ample movement. So instead of a game controller like we've spent the last 30 years using, this one would just be held by our fingertips? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Look, I I know people are going to bring up that the Japanese have smaller hands, but this is just dumb. (laughs) And And Nintendo will sell gads of the things because they're Microsoft, and somehow they still manage to sell Nintendo, you mean? I said Nintendo the second time. You said Microsoft. I thought I corrected myself. We knew what you meant, though. We knew what you meant. Curse you (laughs) muscle relaxers. (laughs) Okay, um, jumping forward, we uh, had an interesting little thing come from ESPN this week, where even they admitted that streaming stuff over the internet is the new way to get TV. It's the best way to get content straight in to those who want it. Yeah, right now they're trying to. They're actually negotiating with several different ISP providers uh, to, to basically to see who's going to start getting their content, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes because if you can suddenly sports is probably the biggest savior of cable tele cable and satellite television right now, and once that's accessible more readily off of cable and satellite, cable and satellite's going to fall big time well okay i we brought this up a few weeks ago actually a study was done that if you took espn away from er everyone and only gave it to the people who actually watch it it would drop everyone's rate by like four dollars and add to the other people's rate by 300 Mm -hmm. so it kind of makes sense actually that cable providers would want to move ESPN off to a, an on-demand streaming setup because then they could just pocket that extra $4 from everyone because you know your ro- rates aren't going to go down. Oh, yeah. And charge more to the people who want it for the quote-unquote convenience of getting it over the internet. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that there, there, there's a way that they're going to make money off of it. That, that's the reason why they do the whole thing anyway, so... Yeah. Um, into some other news, random news. The quality control at Apple has not been what it once was. We talked about it last week where an app made it through the App Store onto iOS and then an update turned it into malware. Well, it turns out there's a new bug in iOS 6 and OS X 10.8. Um, House Kitty, or whatever they're calling it now. I really can't keep track of the different cat names. <laughs> Garfield. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that'll be OS X 11. Wait, it's not a new bug, it's just newly discovered um, where their their Cortex rendering engine, when, when rendering a certain string of Arabic characters, it will crash the operating system. And this this specific string of Arabic characters, no matter how it's 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 rendered or where it reads it from, it will crash your system. So if you're reading a, a tweet, I mean this was tweeted out, so people reading their tweets um, were crashing their system. Uh, if someone's wireless router or 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 Wi-Fi network was named this, it would their their uh, operating system would crash just by reading the list of available Wi-Fi networks. Yeah, we, we need to clarify what is meant when we say rendering. We don't mean like graphics rendering. We mean showing it on the screen. Right. Dull. <laughs> Which seems like a rather large bug to have. Yeah. Kind of a... Every time your computer shows the letter A, it will wipe all your data. Oops. I would hope that this is one of those rare bugs that Apple actually goes out of their way to fix before it ships. Well, it it already is fixed in uh, iOS seven iOS seven beta and uh, and ten point nine Mavericks. So uh, the the newer releases of the operating systems are are fixed. These are just the the older iOS six and ten point eight. It kind of seems like they're they're not that old. They were just released yesteryear, weren't they? <laughs> you'd, you'd think, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Oh well. Um, you know who's going to be in the next Avengers movie? Captain America. Well, yeah. Thor. Yeah, him too. And Spider-Man. Yeah. No, not Spider-Man. <laughs> I got one past him. <laughs> no, no. I'm thinking he should be because I think I, I think we just need to throw everyone into it. I think we need to have a Patton Oswalt sort of. Yeah, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> a decapitated um, Chewbacca. Condor man. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> now, um, it turns out that, and, and, and I'm reading this, can we confirm this is not a rumor? No, this is it, confirmed. This is confirmed. Yeah, James is confirmed. Spader will be Ultron in the next Avengers movie, which I find interesting because of the fact that this morning I came across some articles on multiple sites that were indicating that it looks like Jarvis was going to become Ultron because they had offered the guy who does the voiceover acting some motion capture incentives or whatnot in his new contract. They basically rewrote his contract so that he to accommodate for him being on screen in some capacity. And there were lots of rumors that, oh, well, Jarvis is going to be Ultron. 20 minutes later, Marvel comes out and says, hey, guess who's Ultron? James Spader. He's got a creepy voice. He'll be awesome. 
Yeah. Well, James Spader actually is really good. He has that really icy demeanor. Yes. Um, he can do it really, really well. So I'm not worried about this. I mean, no, this is great casting. I, I'm not a huge really, James really Spader fan, but he is very talented and he kind of creeps the crap out of me. Yeah. He, he definitely has a very, um, specific role. Yes. You know, he wouldn't be in the feel good family comedy for Christmas. <laughs> Maybe as the homicidal maniac. Yeah. Yeah. Which which was would be a hilarious family movie. <laughs> Depends on if you like your family or not. <laughs> um, in some outrageous news, we're down to our last few headlines here, but down to uh, some outrageous news, blah. Uh, Paramount is going to be releasing multiple versions of Star Trek Into Darkness. And by multiple, I don't mean like collector's edition or special awesome edition or adamantium edition. I mean like... Edition with commentary. Edition in high def. Edition with the end of the movie, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Just multiple versions. No deleted scenes, no this, no that. Yeah, what's, what's stupid is, is that they're gonna have these little small featurettes, but they're not gonna have the standard stuff you normally find in a Blu-ray. What's the biggest reason people buy Blu-ray besides the best picture? All the excess stuff that you're gonna have in it. Well, they're not even gonna have it in this. And in fact, if you even, they're not even gonna have a commentary track. You get the commentary track by buying the iTunes version and then separately downloading the commentary track. Uh, I'm sorry, this is, this is a ripoff and a lot of fans are just livid. I, I think this just goes back to Paramount viewing this as a cash cow property and that's it. Do you remember yeah. a few years ago when DVDs first came out and there were all the bonus features on DVDs and then all of a sudden you had to, to buy the special edition DVDs and then mm-hmm. pretty soon you had to buy the Blu-ray if you wanted any of the special features. Are we starting to see that where Hollywood is just, you know what, screw the consumer. They're going to buy it because we tell them to buy it because that's what they've done for the last hundred years. And so we're going to just jerk them all around and they they could buy eight copies of, of the DVD if they want to have the features. I actually want to say no. I think there's a different thing behind this and I may just be completely you know, out in the night on this one. But I want to say that if they're worried that if they put out a disc with the best quality picture, best quality sound, all the featurettes, behind the scenes, alternate scenes, um, casting videos, concept art, featurette, mini games, you know, the full, the whole nine yards, if they put that out there, someone is going to rip it and put it off onto the internet. And then everyone can download all their special features. By doing it this way, by splitting up the features and everything up into different discs, at least they can guarantee that instead of selling one disc that then got pirated everywhere, they at least sold three. Wouldn't that increase more piracy because yes. instead of buying the instead of buying the Target version and the and the and the and the Walmart version and the Best Buy version, screw it, we'll just download everything off the internet. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what's gonna happen. Someone's gonna buy the twelve dollar version and steal the rest. Mm-hmm. It, it goes down again. We've said it before: making the content available. If you make it available, people will find a way to. Or if you don't make it available, people will find a way to get it. And it usually involves not giving you money. Yeah. Can I just get the the version with the uh, lens flare filter? Yeah. 
That's actually a button that you can turn off. <laughs> That's on your remote now. I want it in English 7.1 with no subtitles, no alternate scenes turned on, lens flare turned off. Uh, it's called the JJ filter. Okay, uh, and final and funny news. Uh, we have gotten this a lot. Okay, you guys remember when Germany, uh, a newscast in Germany, showed a fan image from Star Trek Marines SEAL Team 6 saying that this Mako team from Star Trek had killed Osama Bin Laden. Um, yep. And then there was the one where the newscaster was talking about the United Nations Security Council and showed images from Halo uh, mm-hmm. because the UN Space um, Corps. Well, it's happened again. A Chinese news site on their authorized Japanese site don't ask, it's a weird political thing um, have talked about design trends in American aircraft carriers and showed pictures of the new types of aircraft carriers in America's building. Now, America is building the new Gerald Ford class, which are going to be huge and are supposed to last more than 100 years. And well, they fall the down Chinese, a lot, though. Yeah, they might, yeah. They're <laughs> actually designed, they're, they're designed like the presidents they're named after. <laughs> I hope there's not going to be any Nixon class, then. <laughs> the Clinton class is going to have a lot to explain. Um, <laughs> but I can't believe I just said that. But according to China, our new um, aircraft carriers look a lot like the Battlestar Galactica. Fleeing from the Chinese tyranny. <laughs> 400,000 Americans, that's all that's left of us. Fleeing far from home. <laughs> no, um, they took renders from Zoic Entertainment, from Zoic, uh, the, the special effects company who did Firefly, Serenity, and Battlestar Galactica, and supposedly this is now considered that this will be what it looks like. Whoops. Um. Yeah, the people who were reading the article weren't convinced either. Said the one commenter put it, "These designs are pretty good dreams." The people who wrote this article should start making comic books. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good job, China. All right, we need to hurry through our favorites because we're running here towards the end. Mine actually does come from Japan. It may be faked. It may not be faked. I don't care. It's hilarious either way. A prank show on Japanese television decided to put cameras everywhere and have a candid camera moment where a guy or a woman uh, were walking down a hallway in an office building, turned a corner, and all of a sudden a velociraptor was chasing people out, looked at them, and ran after them. This is a Velociraptor-free workspace. Yes. Eagle-eyed viewers will notice this is not CGI. This is an actual costume that was made. Um, uh, It's very, very high-end. I've seen it in other places, too. It's ingenious how it works, and it's very realistic working. Uh, Needless to say, people lose their poop and freak out running (laughs) away from this thing. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it's fake. People wouldn't really react like that. People would notice the cameras. People would notice the human legs coming out the bottom. And actually, you'd be surprised when you are so scared that you're going to wet yourself what you don't notice. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible this is real. Even if it's not, it's hilarious. And I feel really bad for laughing at these people, but you should too. Okay, last week I had a Android app uh, that was a really good alarm clock. This week I have another app. It is called Middle Manager of Justice. Uh, it's highly addictive. I have not been able to stop playing it. You are essentially a middle manager 
sit down in an office and you have a team of superheroes that you send out to do the job that superheroes do. Uh, you collect money, you do desk work, you do training with these people, with your heroes. You upgrade your office and your training facilities with the money that you collect. And it's a great game. I absolutely love it. My kids have started playing it. They love it. It's good fun. you have fun. to get them Check into like, the sexual harassment seminar and the benefits meeting? Uh, you know, I don't know. If, outfit? <laughs> I, I don't know what they discuss because uh, they just discuss something two plus two uh, does not equal five. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly what they're discussing in their training sessions. But I, I imagine it's good because it helps them save people from burning buildings. Okay. <laughs> Um, my favorite uh, is the Man of Steel 2 trailer. Uh, this is not the official trailer. This is all fan-made, and it's really well done. Uh, this guy painstakingly went through um, each of the um, rumored and not-so-rumored actors of the of the next movie um, and went, went through uh, movies that they've been in previously, took scenes from that to make their own trailer, for Man of Steel 2. Um, you'll see scenes from Breaking Bad for Brian Cranston, uh, scenes from Daredevil uh, for Ben Affleck's image. Um, I mean, he, he puts them together in such a way that it, if you didn't know that this was fan-made, you would think it's the real trailer. Really well done. Uh, so check it out. All right, so my favorite deals with zombies. Uh, it, Zombieland is one of our favorite zombie movies because it gave us the various rules of how to deal with a zombie apocalyptic world. Well, what somebody did is that they actually found examples of how you should follow these rules from the episodes of The Walking Dead and provided them to you for each particular rule. Uh, very well done. Kudos to the guy. Very, very cool. That is our show for the week. We ran a little bit long here, and we apologize that. Again, any questions or comments, let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com or send it to us on Facebook. We hope to see you next week. If you have any questions about that, let us know. We can get hook you up with answers from the people themselves. But we really hope to see you out at Comic-Con. Uh, make sure to come by and say hi. We'll be recording there as well. Until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. <laughs>